Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. I'm San Francisco Chronicle columnist Heather Knight, and you're listening to Fifth in Mission. So much of life has changed during the COVID-19 pandemic, making us rethink a lot of our human interactions. One consideration, the smile. It's hard to convey friendliness while wearing a face mask, and experts and regular people alike are thinking about how to adapt. Chronicle reporter Annie Weinstein is joining me today to talk about the loss of the smile and what might replace it. Annie Weinstein, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. So you have a really interesting story on sfchronicle.com about smiles. And uh, the world has obviously changed tremendously in the past couple of months. And your story delves into one really interesting detail, which is that now that people are wearing face masks, it's much harder to convey uh, their smiles and friendliness and happiness and all of the emotions that go with those. Why do you think that this relatively little detail in the big scheme of things right now has crossed so many people's minds? I think that, um, you know, as you said, communication because of the pandemic has changed so much and in ways sort of that I think, you know, no one was really prepared for. Um, And there are sort of all of these different layers now to the experience of just communicating with the stranger outside, um, be it the social distance, um, the masks, and now, you know, the the element behind the masks, which is the smile. Um, and so I think a lot of people are thinking about it because it's a small detail, but it's really baked into sort of the experience of just connecting um, with people outside. Mm-hmm. I think people are feeling like they're already so disconnected and there are already so many misfirings um, of communication and sort of uh, a fear of one another, um, but also sort of this desire to connect. Um, and without the smile or with the smile being obscured, I think it calls, you know, it calls that into question and sort of makes it even even more impenetrable in a way. Right. So um, you talked to a lot of people about how they're coping with this. And what were some of the creative ways that you found that people are conveying their emotions while wearing a mask? So people have been doing all sorts of things. Um, in terms of conveying their emotions, I think that uh, what I heard sort of across the board was that there's really now, you know, in the absence of kind of our most nuanced form of communication, which is the smile. Um, and actually, before researching this story, I didn't really realize how vital the smile was. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's something that we sort of, it's we sort of take it for granted, but really, it, it communicates a host of emotions that are beyond just happiness and in a way almost beyond really anything words can express. I think right. they really get at like kind of the hybrid of emotions. And so I think the loss of that. So I think the caveat to the ways that people are trying to replace that is that there aren't really ways, you know, to to replace it per se. But people have been 
being more explicit in their communication. So I think, you know, I heard from a lot of folks that they're, uh, when they like something or they want to say hello to someone or compliment them on something, they're, they're being more expl- explicit. You know, one of the, uh, one of the people I talked to kind of described it as like leaning into the dorkiness. So <laughs> she's, you know, like complimenting and, and uh, being explicit about things that really just like a smile would have communicated pre-pandemic uh-huh. um i think i've noticed people trying to be courteous in in other nonverbal ways um which could also be a little bit dorky and sweet you know like taking great efforts to distance from one another um or letting you know someone pass through and maybe more of more of a of a tender way than before um uh there's also people who've been pasting like felt felt smiles onto their masks i think that is um an interesting phenomenon because it it doesn't exactly communicate emotion because it's sort of a static emotion but i think it's a sweet gesture um it's a sweet gesture i think that still brightens people's days as mm-hmm. they're walking uh, you know walking down the street and sort of just being uh, met with this kind of the blankness of, of the surgical mask or the N95. I think it's a nice thing to sort of break up that like homogenous experience. Yeah. You mentioned a, a male man who is wearing a, a smile on his mask because he, somebody like that would encounter so many strangers and other people during the day all day long. And so he's taken to that method, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He's um, I've seen other, other people with uh, like, interestingly uh, design masks that are sort of but but I think there's nothing yet uh that necessarily gets at that kind of the dynamicism of a of a smile um the way that kind of a smile comes and goes diffuses a moment um or or makes something a moment I think so far the design of our masks and the resources that we have can't really get at that um but people like you you know like you mentioned are are trying in 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 all the ways that they know how i think to just try to at least get uh you know circle around that feeling maybe not be at the center of it and we also can't shake hands or hug or fist bump or any of the other ways that americans typically greet each other so people are also talking about what might replace just you know greeting and saying hello which the smile would normally be a part of. So what are some of the options you've heard about in that regard? People have talked, I mean, folks in my story were sort of pondering what this, what this new gesture might be. Um, and some ideas that, that came up were, you know, I think the first one that we, I don't know if you've been hearing this, Heather, but I, I've certainly heard this now over and over and I, hadn't really heard it in 10 years since Tyra Banks made the term (laughs) popular, but now suddenly there's a resurgence of the smiles. Um, Yes. Smile with your eyes from America's Next Top Model. (laughs) Yes. Smile with your eyes. So it's, it, there's a comeback of that. Um, I, you know, I, I have tried personally to smize. I think that the, the efficacy is a, a person on a person by person basis, just depending on like the particularities of your eyes or the muscles in your eyes. Maybe <laughs> my, my muscles aren't as strong. Um, you gotta to work do some out exercises. <laughs> yeah. Um, but people have been talking about smizes and they're in the, in the kind of cultural discussion, even just from what I heard over the last few weeks, there it's really split in terms of whether people really do believe that they see and um, are interpreting other people's smizes. And then the folks that say that really it, um, they, they, 
that doesn't really come across. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I just a side note, I spoke to uh, Erica Rosenberg, who's a she's a noted facial scientist. She was kind of the protege of Paul Ekman, who's kind of this grandfather of like uh, of, of sort of the lie detector mm-hmm. uh, phenomenon. And, and she was a consultant on the on the show lie to me. So she's she really understands, I think, that the, the science behind like muscles in the eye. And what she said was that you know, the eyes really only give us partial emotional information. And she, she demonstrated this beautifully on video chat. I got to see how, when you smile, um, what the way, you know, the way that the eyes move actually mimics a lot of other emotions. Um, so it, it creates kind of a confusion, I think, Mm. um, smizing. I think the point is that maybe it, it works, but at the same time, it, um, doesn't quite get us there in the way that uh, the full information of the mouth um, and the eyes do. Um, But people have been talking about like the new smile. So there's the smize and, um, you know, other folks, uh, they kind of suggested like hang 10 or um, or a peace sign or a wave. Mm -hmm. Um, I've heard namaste. I mean, someone kind of joked like the tip of the mask, which would be a (laughs) bad idea probably yeah that's not good. <laughs> um, and probably a little bit difficult to do but I think that I think that people are experimenting with this but um there's something there's something distinct about um, an emotion that's read just on the face um in sort of how natural it is mm-hmm. and how spontaneous it is that I think that uh you know a hand gesture um, doesn't really get to. Right. Um, and so I think that's, that's the, that's sort of the struggle, um, and the, um, and the issue that I, that we are probably all going to have to, you know, move forward and sort of think about. I'll be right back with Annie Weinstein. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I'm Chronicle columnist Heather Knight, and I'm talking with reporter Annie Weinstein about how face masks rob us of our ability to show our smiles. And beyond just um, conveying friendliness and kindness to each other, the smile actually has um, some concrete benefits, according to some experts you talk to, and especially when it comes to finances. Can you speak to that? Yeah. So I spoke to um, a Professor Jeannie Tsai. She's, uh, she's a professor of psychology and the director of the Culture and Emotion Laboratory at Stanford University. Um, and her team has really been researching the cultural value of the smile. And they found that for Americans, it's particularly high. Um, and, you know, in one of her studies, uh, they found it was a, it was a study looking at um, the micro lending platform Kiva. Um, and they found that Americans were more likely to lend money to people with bigger smiles. Um, and so something that she, you know, it, it's also they also found in other studies that uh, Americans really focus on the mouth part of a smile, um, whereas uh 
people in East Asian cultures, such as uh, Japanese Japan, they focus on the eyes, hmm. um, and so it's kind of it's kind of this interesting cultural difference. But now, as our mouths are obscured, um, you know, Sai and her team are kind of thinking about, you know, especially at a time of a you know at a, at a pandemic when we need to be sharing resources with one another, we need to sort of feel connections and um, and try to sort of bridge the, the, those gaps um there's kind of a, a worry i think that um that are not being able to see other people's smiles um and not having access in a way to that kind of emotional information could lead to i think um a little bit more of an insularity mm-hmm. um and potentially you know in, in take an example of like people at a gro- this is a, an example she gave me people at a grocery store there's you know uh, some opportunity there to share or or to be generous um you know if we don't have uh i guess that that moment of smiling to another person um or the ability to see their smile it could um lead to you know i guess less sharing um and less you know um yeah fi- financial generosity i guess is, huh. is what she's concerned about she and they yeah and they and they also found that the mouth part of the smile um is important in that it is really the signifier Americans use to determine friend from foe and in some in some cases it's it's actually the feature that's um that that they put so much stock into it can influence their perceptions even more potently than features related to race or gender hmm. Which is interesting. Yeah, that is. And I also thought it was interesting that you talked to an autistic person who actually likes not having to try to remember to smile in social interactions because it doesn't come naturally. Um, and can you talk about that and how there might actually be some benefits to people? Yeah. Well, this person who I talked to, um, you know, they're they're a social person, but I think that uh, you know what they were explaining is that um, their words were kind of before before the the pandemic, um, they would have to quote unquote mask. So neurotypicals think they're normal. Um, but now the rest of the world has to literally mask. And when I asked what that means, um, you know, they, they said that masking meant sort of this, um, this in some ways, like putting, putting a certain social face on. And also what came with that was the, like the self-consciousness of being a person outside, um, having to sort of regulate emotions in front of other people. Um, you know, they said that oftentimes they wished that they could have sort of the the pri- or the experience of privacy being outside and not feel the pressure to smile or even to talk to other people. And um and so now with with kind of everyone or most people in masks, I think it's granted them in in some ways like a degree of 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 intimacy and, and privacy where they can sort of um, sort of just react normally mm-hmm. in the way that they would want to um, while still, you know, being, being able to be social uh, in ways that are beyond expression, you know, saying hello to people and talking. Um, but I think the, the facial element for them um, provided, it was just more a source, more of a strain and more, more pressure maybe than other people were feeling. And in reading your story, I thought of a, another benefit um, 
for women in general, which is, I know a lot of us really hate being told, smile, smile, when we're walking down the street, <laughs> always by men who are strangers. Um, I've never heard that happening to men, but <laughs> <laughs> I wondered if you could relate to that at all, because they won't be able to tell if we're smiling or not. So hopefully they won't say that. Yeah. Well, Heather, those times feel like a really long time ago. Um, and maybe I'm just not often told that. Maybe I'm, I'm, smi- I'm smiling or smizing too much. Who knows? But um, it does. Yeah, it does feel like a little bit of an alternate reality, but definitely something that um, people feel and um, and have experienced and uh, it would be interesting if they were still <laughs> experiencing it now that would feel really unfair um, yeah but that was something I heard definitely um, a lot of women saying that this experience has been you know that the the I guess proportion um, of of their you know, being told to smile made up a big, uh, took up like a large part of their experience of being outside, Mm -hmm. um, especially by strange men. So I think the relief from that has really been noticed. And uh, so that it definitely is a benefit. And I think it does relate to um, what, you know, the person I was just talking about Mm -hmm. spoke to in terms of maybe it's nice to have a have a little bit of privacy in your own emotions. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think also, and this is sort of what uh, Dr. Rosenberg was getting at, is that there's, you know, an interesting question um, of whether or not we may, whether or not some of our natural reactions or our natural emotions, especially smiles, might drop off kind of in in almost a way of like attrition. Hmm. Like when we're not using them, and, you know, the conditioning of going outside, smiling behind your mask, and then it not being received and there being no feedback and kind of that experience over and over and over mm-hmm. um, playing out. She she has some concerns or I guess questions about whether smiling will drop out of the cultural etiquette. Um, and I've noticed even in myself that I smile, I smile less when I'm outside, mm-hmm. um, probably just unconsciously because I know now that there's a film between the smile and another person. But I think um, it remains to be seen sort of what will happen when the masks come off, when and if they come off. Right. I was actually going to end our conversation by asking you how you yourself are conveying your emotions while masks. I've been finding it awkward when you're passing people (laughs) on walks to try to convey friendliness because you're literally walking away from them and you can't really convey a smile. So it feels really weird. Yeah, I don't think I'm conveying them well. Um, I think that, I mean, I think that there's, and I don't know if you would relate to this, but there's this kind of very specific, uh, it's hard because in the times where I do, like, I see something on the street that is just really sweet or there's like a moment and my face naturally smiles, but I'm wearing the mask. There's this like very specific a feeling of loneliness of like passing by someone and you're smiling behind your mask mm-hmm. and they don't see you. And I, I think that's kind of what I get at in my, the first source in my story. Um, and so there's this kind of feeling of like, you're a little bit, it's, it's a bit defeating, I think, and deflating almost of like, you tried to experience this and put this feeling out into the world um, and sort of it's not being received Right. Um, and so I think it leaves, at least it's left me feeling like a little bit disoriented and there's like a dysphoric feeling to it as I'm, as I'm walking by people um, and nothing is registering. I've, I, um, I've tried, I guess, when, 
maybe not consciously, but in moments where I'm not wearing a mask, like I'm just exercising outside, I I guess it's in those moments where my brain sort of remembers that like that's the time that I have um, to smile at people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so maybe that is in some way the balm, you know, not that I'm advocating for people not to wear their masks, but I think if if folks aren't wearing them for just because they're, you know, going on a walk or something like that. Um, maybe there's something to kind of uh, trying to uh, emote more as, mm-hmm. as best as we can, if that feels natural, just so there's like more smiles out there in the air. Yeah. And I'm also trying to catch people's eyes more than I used to, um, mm. which seems to help a little bit, make a little eye contact. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe an eyebrow raise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll come up with it eventually. <laughs> Well, thank you so much yeah, for talking exactly. to me. It was fun to talk to you, and it brought a smile to my day, even Great, though you can't I'm see it. Too. <laughs> Good. Well, thanks for talking to me too, Heather. Have a great day. You too. Thanks a lot. Thank you to Annie Weinstein for joining me today, to King Kaufman for producing this episode, and to you for listening. Fifth Emission is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. If you like this podcast, please consider becoming a financial supporter of the largest newsroom in Northern California. You can sign up for a San Francisco Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod.